0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barron's Live Market Watch Edition. I'm Rachel Koning-Beals, an assistant managing editor and a reporter at Market Watch. I'm joined today by Dr. Mariana Bonaname, head of external education programs at Sandbox AQ. Welcome, Mariana, and thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. We have the stock market higher today, Mariana, at least early on, largely ahead of post-Bell results from NVIDIA, the chip maker at the forefront, a bit of a bellwether, the market believes, of the artificial intelligence software boom. Loads of AI coverage is on the market watch front page as we speak. It's clearly top of mind for investors, but also for workers, many wondering if AI will, in fact replace them, or allow them to advance into a new role in their careers. So you and I, Mariana, we're going to dig into some of the big thinking around AI and AQ, which you'll explain, and then we're going to talk about a changing workforce, opportunities for tech-minded career seekers, and why, in your view, AI and AQ are technology simply to better understand and embrace. So let's tell uh, viewers a bit about sandbox AQ and just what does AQ mean?
1: Absolutely, and thank you for that introduction. And again, thank you for having me. So sandbox AQ, the A stands for AI and the Q stands for quantum. And so our perspective is using these two technologies together to kind of supercharge each other, so to speak, to solve really challenging complex problems. And so what what problems are we looking to solve? Where we have several different verticals in Sandbox, all of them rely on quantum or quantum inspired techniques as well as AI in order to solve these problems and to develop the technology. So we have um, a cybersecurity, Uh, global quantum security group, that vertical there, um, where we look at what the world looks like post-quantum computing. What does that mean in terms of impact on our existing security protocols? And how do we develop classical for now and maybe one day quantum techniques to protect against any bad actors, protect our data and have secure communications? So we have our whole quantum security group. But then we also... Are looking at building next generation medical diagnostic devices by using quantum sensors and then classical AI on the data that comes from it. So we need these two together. One doesn't work without the other. And AI had to come to a certain point where we can really be using it in a useful way to denoise this quantum data that we get from our sensors and our our medical devices. We also do quantum navigation. So we're using the magnetic field of the earth to navigate. And again, it's quantum data that we're collecting, and we need the classical AI in order to make sense of this data and do a point location. And this is satellite free. So we have a sensing division along with our security division that looks at these kinds of products, develops these kinds of products. And then we also have a simulation and optimization team, Mm -hmm. which looks at quantum inspired techniques for drug discovery. So creating a drug takes sometimes up to from 10 to 15 years from development to patient, and it costs billions of dollars. And if we can shorten that timeline in at any part of the cycle, we can pass that savings on to customers and potentially get life-saving therapeutics into their hands. Um, and right now we're focusing on Alzheimer's and Parkinson's diseases, but we're hoping to expand from there. So as you can see, we're kind of a startup that is really like Three startups in one. And then we have the education team, which underpins all of it. And we serve all of these different verticals. And we are our own standalone team where we do more than just, just service. So we, we can talk about that a little bit later.
0: That's great. Um, You and I talked recently at length about challenges with AI literacy, I I sort of loved it phrased that way, Um, I I can wrap my brain around that, we mean sort of embracing smartly using a technology, talking about that technology, a technology that's already being implemented, but frankly, scares people a little bit as taking over for humans. Do you find yourself still defending AI and thus AQ in, in certain settings?
1: Um, I think what it is, is not even the need to defend. It's really the need to educate. I think all of us, the more we know about the technology, the less, um, fearsome we will be when it comes to to kind of looking at it. I think that it's definitely not going to replace domain experts. Um, Our perspective is is that we use it as a tool. And like we said, from our perspective, a lot of the technology that we're creating, the quantum navigation and the next-gen diagnostic for medical uh, sensing, That would not, we would not be able to do that if AI hadn't come to a certain point. So as AI evolves, it's opening doors, not just closing them. I know people are fearful about, you know, potentially AI taking over their jobs. And there will be, don't get me wrong, there is gonna be a shuffle. Things are going to shuffle, but when the dust settles, the domain experts still need to be there. Um, in terms of the AI systems, we need folks to develop them, but also the output on them. That output mm-hmm. needs to be fact-checked. So we talk about, you know, AI literacy. You know, when we embrace an AI system and we start utilizing it, we have to be very mindful that the AI is not giving us like the ultimate answer these answers need to be fact-checked. And also we need to be mindful of explainability. How did we get to that answer? What data are we putting in there? Um, Is the data going to be data that's trusted data? Um, When we we say garbage in and garbage out, we, we wanna see what comes through our system. So all of these things we need to keep in mind, and that doesn't cut humans out of the loop at all. In fact, we need the humans to be able to kind of parse through all of this.
0: Yeah, IBM CEO Arvind Krishna said in a recent television interview, he sees quote unquote white collar jobs impacted more. I-, I think there may be a thread of belief that it's 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 maybe factory jobs or you know sort of jobs that that are sort of wrote and, and repeat a task that those are ripe for AI replacement. Um, what do you think about this white collar job replacement? And, and to your point just a second ago maybe replacement isn't the right word, it's, it's, it's replacing some tasks, and then perhaps elevating the human component to more of an interpretive role, et cetera. But so what do you think about sort of the white collar versus other types of jobs and and AI differences?
1: Yeah, definitely. There are some tasks that AI excels at, and it's shown us that and it can kind of replace the more kind of rote tasks that maybe we don't always want to do. Right. And, and that's okay, but that opens the door to folks being able to have a different type of role. Maybe someone is able to be more of a guide more of a quality control, more of a, um, you know, it, 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 will, it will open the door. And I don't even know where it's going to go, but yeah. we need to see it as an opportunity for folks to kind of reimagine their role and to really see what level we can achieve with the AI as a helper, as a tool, and not to be afraid of it, but to learn as much as we can about it so we can kind of retain the control in the situation. Yeah,
0: What does the phrase responsible technology mean to you? Oh, it means a lot
1: of things. We've talked about this a lot at Sandbox. So a group of us are reading this book that we, uh, we read a book review from MIT Tech Review. They do amazing uh, book reviews. And one of them was called More Than a Glitch by Meredith Bersav. And she is so phenomenal. She's a professor at NYU as well. And we're all reading this together and we're talking about it. Because the example she raises and the points of concern in building tech in a responsible way that she raises need to be addressed and need to be discussed and we take it to heart. Um, And so building responsibly means that we need to have, like I said, this idea of explainability. We can't put in mathematical models and AI systems in place where we don't understand the result that they're giving us. It's coming in a vacuum and it can have unintended consequences. And so we need to kind of control the narrative, so to speak. And what we need to do is really have a diversity of thought in developing the tech and also. So monitoring the tech without this diversity behind it, we can potentially have these consequences that we don't expect. So I'll give you one quick example because it never left me. She talks about in the book, she talks about, um, the racist soap dispenser. And I was like, what on earth is this? So, so a team of engineers created an automated soap dispenser where you put your hand under it and it, it distributes an amount of soap. And it happened to be that the team of engineers that created the soap dispenser, they all t- had light skin. Uh, And so when the soap dispenser and they, they tested it, the engineers did their best quality control. What could be wrong? It's great, great product, put it into the wild. And then when it got out there, someone noticed with dark skin noticed that it wasn't dispensing soap. So they thought it was just a bug. And then this person took a piece of a, paper towel and put it underneath and then it dispensed. So so by just this action alone, it was discovered that the soap dispenser just wasn't never tested on dark skin and the unintended consequence You know, from this pocket of engineers that created this, it was not that they meant to set out with mean to set out with bad intentions. It was just because of lack of diversity of the team. All of a sudden, this unintended (laughs) consequence. So that's why we need to like think about and be very mindful of this, that we need to embrace this diversity of thought as we build, because it makes for a better product and it makes for a more responsible product all
0: around. Agree, agree. Just wanted to remind our audience, you can uh, submit questions uh, in our in our chat to our our producer and and we'll ask Mariana uh, while we have her on. So go ahead and submit those questions. Um, We talked a little bit about the medical role of of A.I. And I cover a lot of climate change topics. Mm -hmm. And when you have huge, complex social issues, global issues, There's a lot of uh, capacity for AI. So I wondered if you have any sort of almost pie in the sky or those very lofty applications of AI and AQ that should excite people about where this technology can go.
1: Oh yeah, there's so many exciting um, ways we can tackle some of these giant challenges. Um, So I could tell you a little bit about what we're starting to explore at Sandbox. Um, And again, when I tell folks that we're working on these problems, it sounds like I'm talking about science fiction, but it is is happening right now. We are developing, we're testing right now. Um, One of the most exciting things that I'm very keen to see how it evolves is we're starting to think about battery science. Um, And from a climate perspective, that's really important. If we can try to look for new materials and new options to create batteries that are longer lasting than what exists on the market without thinking about having to mine for lithium potentially, um, this is huge. Like, this is a problem that we're thinking about. Where can that go? I'm not sure. We're just at the beginning of it. But this is a huge, you know, a game changer here. Battery science. Um, Also looking about, you know, novel therapeutics for you know diseases especially I mean for a lot of us you know we do have family members who unfortunately suffer from Alzheimer's, from dementia, from uh, you know aphasia, all of this like maybe we can come up with novel therapeutics people that could be life-changing um there's so many open challenges that we could use quantum and ai together to start to tackle whereas before we weren't able to because maybe the tech wasn't there yet but we're entering a time where the tech has come to the point where we can start to see these huge changes in tackling these problems
0: right well, thanks, Mariana, for walking us through sort of the cultural, social, workplace implications. And now let's get into your specialty, which is training the next generation and upskilling in place more experts in AI and AQ. Uh, Sandbox has formed relationships with more than 30 major universities, other educational organizations. Uh, you're co-training masters and PhD students in quantum, cyber, and other. T- talk about this. These, there's some new programs out there. And and I know our re- we had Jay write in a question. He's maybe got a college kid kind of thinking about majors and it it seems sort of both exciting and and daunting should almost all majors have some sort of an ai you know component to it what do you think
1: yeah that's a really great question i also have two boys one is 12 and one is 15 and for the older one he's been really talking a lot about you know what what do i want to be both of them what do i want to be when i grow up and a lot of the jobs that are going to come we can't even imagine them today. For a middle schooler now, many of the jobs that they will be in, we don't even know what they are yet. However, however, my advice to my kids and and all my students, I was a university professor before I started at Sandbox, my advice to my students was always get these basic, we talked about literacy, be literate in as much as you can. The communication skills, verbal and written, The coding skills, that's part of it nowadays, whether we like it or not, this is like assumed that we have some basic knowledge of coding, some basic knowledge of the way AI works, you don't have to be an expert, but at least you have to be literate in it. And then also, like I I was a math professor, so I'm kind of biased towards this, but really that computational aspect you can't go wrong with it because so many of the jobs in the tech field if you're looking for something in the tech field that will open up they all rely on having very solid computational skills math skills translate across all all engineering all ai all physics all hard sciences, all of it. So with that, you can use that as a stepping stone if you're starting to think. And then also the other component is besides the skills, which we discussed, is the passion. Yeah. Um, do you want to have an impact on the world? How important is it for you to have a job where you're having an impact and making this positive, you know, moving the needle in a positive direction no matter what field, whether it be healthcare, financial services, or anything else? So so I believe taking these two together holistically really means something.
0: Yeah. So NYU is going to add a, a minor, an AI minor, yeah. maybe it's an AQ minor. Sorry, you'll you'll correct me. I wondered, did student requests sort of push that did, did demand push it or or in your in sandboxes working with INU and the other institutions are you, is, you know is it chicken or, or egg is, who uh-huh. who's, who's asking for the for the AI uh, degree programs? So it's a little bit of both. Yeah. So
1: I was a student at NYU Tandon School of Engineering. Yeah. Back then, there was not even a class in quantum computing. We learned from a professor who was part of Los Alamos National Labs, Vladimir yeah. Sofrinovich, and he taught us. Um, and from there, I kind of had to make my own way. So that program didn't exist. Then when I started at Sandbox, I went back to say, okay, what kind of exciting things are happening? You know, what does the program look like? And I expected all of this. And they were like, "Uh, we have that one class with that same professor. And I was like, how could this be? You are a major leading engineering institution. What's happening? And they were like, we need your help we need your help how do we break into the space and so what we did was we lo- we reached out to experts so russell ceballos who's at mm-hmm. g- part of qsteam u of chicago the chicago quantum exchange there are experts out there who are helping create these programs. There are recommendations from the IEEE on how to create these programs. And then also there are students who want these programs because they know that these exciting fields are, are constantly moving and all of these opportunities are in front of them. So it seems with NYU, it was kind of the case where they knew there was a need. They had the demand for the students, but they didn't know even where to begin. And so we need to we needed to be kind of that connector there. There are other programs across the globe who for the past couple of years have like really hit the ground running. I'll call out a couple. EPFL in Switzerland, ETH Zurich in Switzerland, TCD, Trinity College Dublin has a master's in quantum technology, there are, there are uh, programs EPITA in France, there are programs everywhere, Singapore has a very robust quantum uh, education initiative, there are places everywhere, University Waterloo, Perimeter Institute, and the list goes on and on, but this is like, think about grand scheme of things. Two, three years, some of them longer, but mainly these programs have existed for a couple of years. So a lot of universities feel like they're playing catch up where they're trying to to develop these programs and they need a little help from the network to see what models are and what best practices are.
0: Yeah. You talked about this a, a second ago, but let's go back. Your, your sandbox residency programs might place MBAs on a team with a quantum computing major. major Discuss, mm-hmm. you know, how you guys are already thinking about real world collaborations and who might need to speak the language of AI and AQ, even if they're not the, the primary practitioner.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so for our residency program, we were very mindful to look at our company holistically. We are a company in the quantum space. However, who do we need to run? We need marketing. We need finance. We need HR. We need people ops. We need legal. We need all the engineers and all of us come together to make this company work on the day to day and for the success and the health of a company as a whole. Um, so we need folks who are quantum aware quantum adjacent we can kind of use these words who know of quantum and know of quantum in this space who are maybe learning to be great science communicators in the space so like this is very very important and so we are very mindful that the residents our students that come to us they are embedded in all the verticals and they have a variety of backgrounds including 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 MBA, working in an MBA program. So our first MBA cohort started in June and we had 13 MBA students come. And for the summer they were embedded in all the verticals and they are amazing. And many of them we don't wanna let go because they are so incredible. So as we talk to institutions and encourage them and help them build their curriculum, we are mindful to tell them that everyone should come along for this ride. You may want to have a quantum 101 course. That's not just for engineers. That's for everybody so that folks can understand what this tech landscape looks like. And maybe they want to come into one of these quantum adjacent careers.
0: Yeah. And it kind of works the other way too, right? Where the AQ student needs to kind of speak business know a little bit about capital fundraising you guys are a startup if, if we're turning out you know more young bright minds into into startups uh, i think you can help in in that area too
1: yeah absolutely and we all are working on we have training at sandbox many kinds of trainings mentorship leadership but also one of them that's starting now that i'm excited about is being an entrepreneur and really taking ownership, ownership training. Um, And that's really important for all of us. Um, As you know, these, these technologies are being developed right now. It's very, very bleeding edge, a lot of what we do. And so we need to be able to be flexible and wear many hats and understand our role in the bigger ecosystem. And so all of this holistically, again, I keep saying that word, but it's true. We work so much as a team and we need to be able to collaborate in this way.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk about mid-career up training, yeah. upskilling. Uh, you guys have a program with with Vanguard, uh, right? Mm-hmm. And explain yeah. as much as you can, kind of about that program, and just mid-career decision making when it comes to to AI.
1: Amazing, thank you for that. And so
0: really the credit has to go to uh, Vanguard
1: CEO, Tim Buckley and CIO, Nitin Tandon because they met us and they came with a, an open and curious mind and had so many questions about quantum, Getting not shying away from the science at all. They wanted to know like, what is the fundamental science? What's the potential impact? And how do I translate this to all of our employees? And so that conversation really blossomed into us developing training for their top executives. So we went to headquarters and we talked to the top 180 executives to tell them, introduce them to this quantum tech so that they understand the landscape, that it's not just processing that it's also sensing. And that opens up a whole other, it affects all these other markets. So like really getting this kind of education out there on the quantum, because very few people are quantum experts, who is hardly anybody you're, you're not going to be generally a quantum expert. But knowing a little bit about it and understanding the context, the landscape and the potential is hugely powerful, that allows folks to learn where they want to put their resources, right. So this is really important. So we started there. But then also looking with their data scientists, again, to their credit, they came with a hugely open mind and appetite appetite for learning where their data scientists have a very technical background have the PhDs. But again, the quantum like that is usually a question mark for people. And then they may know, they, and they do, they're experts in the AI space, but what about quantum machine learning? What does that even mean? And like, what is the potential there? What are quantum neural networks? And like, how far out is it? Is it close? Is it far? Should I put my eggs in that basket? What does that look like? Right. So they came to us kind of with this appetite of learning more. And it's really exciting to be able to work together to come up with the trainings that folks need and meet them where
0: they are. And we yeah. want it to be as accessible as possible. That's great. Uh, Rita wrote in, sh- she wants to know, as a member of the workforce, is there sort of a best first step? Is it is it reach, you know, to improve her skills and be competitive in the fast moving world of AI? Sh- should should she talk internally to people? Should, should she build some skills outside of work and then come back? You, you know, people I think feel a little deer in the headlights maybe. Is, is there okay. just sort of that first step to, to get rolling?
1: Absolutely, definitely. There's a lot of amazing um, material out there that's open source and free and open to all. I would start there. I would start learning, and like if you're learning on the quantum side, I have more specific things. I would I would look at Quantum Country by Michael Nielsen. Um, there are so many amazing avenues to to input, and I can share references afterwards for those who are interested. How do you get learning on your own? Um, I would would start by learning the broad strokes. What does the tech landscape look like? Quantum, the AI, how do they fit together? Broad strokes, what is happening right now? And then if you have a technical background, if you have a certain level of mathematics, meaning like where do you need to be? Linear algebra, I would recommend. I would start there. And then from there, you can go ahead and you can take courses. There are courses on Coursera. There are, co- there are courses everywhere. Yeah. So start there, but also, like you said, don't ignore the experts that are at your fingertips, that are your colleagues, potentially. Ask them, how did you learn? Where did you learn? Will you meet with me an hour or a half hour a week and help guide me and do some problem solving with me? Mm-hmm. We work very much like that, where we have All of us have learning plans at our company, because if we just sit with what we know, we're going to be stale in a few years. So all of us are constantly upskilling. I have a learning plan. Our CEO has a learning plan. And then for those of us who want to take a certain course together, we all sign up and then we have a cohort where we do homework problems together once a week. Um, so we did that surrounding MIT's quantum course. We had cohorts. And now a bunch of us are taking a deep learning course. And we're having a cohort to do homework problems together. So maybe you might want to be the driver for that at your company.
0: Yeah, lifelong learning. I, I, I'll call it that. Homework makes me shiver a little bit. But I'll just say life, <laughs> lifelong Absolutely. learning, right? Right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, <laughs> so oh. Um, uh, one listener had a question. He, I don't know if Sandbox uh, has an opinion or you on on AI sentience. Do you want to address that yeah. a little bit? Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We can talk about that. Um, so AI sentience. So this this is this is kind of a complicated thing where um, the jury's still out right? A lot of experts are are thinking that we're moving towards AI kind of general intelligence. So there's AI, and then there's this term that you can look up AI general intelligence, where general intelligence means that this AI system is as intelligent as a human, like coming up to speed cognitively as a human. And, you know, a lot of experts thought that was not doable and yet now they're starting to change their minds they're saying "Mm, but maybe i might want to reassess that my stance on general intelligence so that's quite interesting but um you've got to look at it this way you know the way an ai system approaches things it's definitely not human so you can ask a question about are we getting to the point of being maybe what it what a human can 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 reason through like what is the question we're asking because with an ai system they're giving mathematical probabilities at each step of what the next word should be it really is look it's a mathematical model is what it is and so when you want to kind of start to assign human attributes to a mathematical model we need to think about well what does it mean to be human so now all of a sudden we start asking these really really hard questions and you know like i said the jury is out like these models can maybe fool a human and maybe that's the measure you're using but yeah there's a lot of thinking to be done I don't have that answer um I think none of us do but I definitely want to learn more about it for sure
0: That's your point. It's 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 a moving target. That's what that's why we're talking learning when it comes to AI, right? The the problems persist, the solutions are out there. Um, oh, Keith had a question. He wanted to know and I can I, I'm going to tweak it just a touch. He wants to know what litigation have you seen for bias of results? Answer that if you want, but what it sparked in me was I bet there's scope for the legal field when it comes to AI and using some of some of those skills. What do you, what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know so much about the the topic. Um, I know as much as you guys all reading the news, I do know yeah. that there was um, there was a lawyer who got in deep trouble when presenting uh, work, used kind of a chatbot, uh, uh, used an LLM, a large yeah. language model, to generate results and presented them to a judge. And the judge said, these cases do not exist right. because the AI system hallucinates. And we'll give you something that looks like it could be real and is similar to what is real, but did not actually exist. And so that's why I always come back to we need domain experts, because without the domain experts to put the checks in place, you know, we may have trouble like this. So so there is precedent there for litigation. Well, there's that example. But for the rest of it, I'm not too sure.
0: Yeah, no, fair, fair, fair enough. I I read about that case. That was that was something else. And then kind of similarly, Hal wants to know, what about opportunities for liberal arts majors? And we talked a little bit about being communicators in A.I., Um, you know, you can do a lot probably with art restoration and and things like that. So liberal arts and A.I. don't necessarily have to be uh, disparate uh, pursuits, do they?
1: Not at all. I think they definitely can work together. And in fact, people that we're interviewing right now, we're looking for content creators content experts who work with subject matter experts and pull that together to create content that builds a narrative so we need actually we have people who have that background science communication is a big one the marketing is a big one Um, really just helping with operations that's a big one also when you think about um from the science communication perspective um, who's telling these stories? If you go to a museum and you look at a museum exhibit, you better believe there are a lot of liberal arts majors in there helping build the exhibits, but they work with the subject matter experts to tell that story and develop that narrative. So we need people with different backgrounds in order to make this all come together. Love it.
0: Music to the ears of a mother of a senior in college who is a science communication major. Let's Love just say. Awesome. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up. Thanks for being here, Mariana. We hope everyone listens to our next episode tomorrow. Barron's deputy editor, Alex Yule and healthcare industry reporter, Josh Nathan Kazis will discuss recent developments in biotech, pharma, other segments of the healthcare market and the outlook for healthcare companies and stocks. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.